Good morning. Man, we're heavy on the back row here. I was, I was impressed with all this. I was like, hey, look, some of these people came back to hear me preach twice. They're like, no, it was their kids. But it was good. It was a blessing this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians 3. We're going to pick up where we left off. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we are an expositional preaching church. And one of the things that that looks like for us as a congregation is we pick sections and books of the Bible and we study them through every verse. And, and so we find ourselves in verse 10. I want to tell you as you find your place and gather your notes, I hope you've got notes or in the back if you need to, that I want to remind you next week we'll have one combined service at 11 o'clock. One combined service next week at 11 o'clock. When's next week's service? 11 o'clock, one service. Okay. And we'll also have a silent communion at 5 o'clock. I'll explain what that's going to look like at the end of the service. And if I forget, someone remind me. And uh, so, because I'm, I could get, I could forget. But right now, let's focus ourselves of all that the weeks held for us and all that we've been through. Let us orient ourselves towards God's word. Galatians three. Stand with me to your feet. As we begin in verse ten, this is the letter from Paul written to the church in Galatians. So we're picking up midway in the middle of one letter, and in verse ten we begin. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the, righteousness, the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Lord, we are overwhelmed this morning by the gift of your grace that we are the Gentiles that have received the promise. So, Lord, we thank you that from the mouth of babes we have worshipped you this morning and we have heard you worshipped. You deserve all worship in all the world. So, Lord, this is good news for the worst of people this morning. Thank you for your word. Give us wisdom. Give us clarity. Focus us in, Lord, now for the next few minutes on who you are, what you have done, and how then shall we live? In Jesus' name. You could be seated. So the central issue, remember, going through in, in Paul's letter to Galatians is dealing with this right relationship with God. And remember, this is critical. Because the Galatians, though they started well, have become infected with false teachers. They call them the Judaizers. And they came into the church and they have said, yeah, you know, we'll... You believe need to be Jesus by faith, but you also need to do this. So this is the central issue he's dealing with because, you see, he wants to make the point that we are by nature not right with God. We are both by nature and by action sinners. We are by, by Adam sinners. We have a huge problem. Men are not born in a right relationship with God, and then the things they do make them wrong. No, they have a problem. And so he's dealing with this. He's reminding them of something. 
He's reminding them of a non-negotiable doctrine in the Christian faith called justification by faith. Remember, he's dealt with that. But not only that, he's got these two things. He wants to understand how is one justified, declared righteous, but then how do we live righteous? They're beginning to get it backwards. Those who are justified live. We're moving to John 17, 3. This is very clear in all of Scripture that this life, this living, this is not primarily physical. This is spiritual. This is what we call eternal life. This is what's at stake. John 17, verse 3. There's unity in Scripture. Listen to the Lord. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So we see here that eternal life, it isn't pie in the sky by and by. There's not any such thing as a flu shot Christianity. This is a justification that brings fellowship. And if there is no fellowship, there is no eternal life. If there is no eternal life, there is no justification. And so, how does one gain eternal life? It must be justified. Then how does that work? How does it happen? See, the core issue brings the core question. How does one become right with God? How does one enter into this fellowship? Hebrews talks about us entering into God's rest. Very simply this morning, I want you to see where we're going is that Paul makes the case, faith is the pathway to blessing. Adherence to the law leads to cursing. So it is through faith alone God's people receive his blessing. What is that blessing? That's what we want to look at this morning. Paul's argument is simple yet profound. It is simple enough for a child to sing and rejoice in it like they did this morning. But it is so profound that we can never mind the depths of what Paul is telling the Galatians. He tells them very simply, you have two pathways, two alternatives this morning. If you choose the law, you must live by the law. But it is who, those who believe that live. That's our two points this morning. They are beginning to believe that this life, this eternal life, comes through doing. So the first promise is this, hey, life yeah, life can come through the door, but it has a condition with it, and you need to understand the condition. The second pathway promises life to the believer through faith. And so he begins, so you want to choose the first pathway, then you're choosing doing. And he who does the law must live by the law. This is his argument. It's a beautiful one. It begins in verse 10, and he gets right to it. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. There's at least three things not to miss in this verse. First is for all who rely on the law. Remember the core issue. The core issue is how is one made right with God? And so here's what he's saying. Listen, if you choose doing, if you choose law, you're right. if you're going to rely on the works of the law, for your right standing and right relationship, then you're under a curse. Well, 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 why would you say that? Look, he's quoting the Old Testament here. He said, 
Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things in the law and do them. So there, now we're beginning to see the condition. Turn with me to Leviticus 18.5. We're going to see this again come back up very clearly in verse 12. But let's look at Leviticus 18 to start with. Let's see where he's making his case from the scripture. Leviticus 18 verse 5. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Now he's going to quote this, to, quote this in verse 12. But I want you to see something this morning. I don't want you to misunderstand what Paul's saying in Galatians. He is not saying that the law is bad. He is not saying that the law is useless. He's saying just the opposite. He said the, the, he's saying the law reveals God's nature and will. We only know God's character clearly through looking at His law because, see, His law is immovable. His law is unchangeable because God is. So His law is not bad. Listen to John Stott. The law can never be isolated from God. For this is God's law, the expression of His moral nature and will. What the law says, God says. What the law blesses, God blesses. What the law curses, God curses. So the law is not bad. The law is revealing. What does it reveal? It reveals the universality of man's sin. That's what it reveals. It re reveals that we are not God. We are not sinless. And this is true of all peoples. Therefore, Deuteronomy 27 in verse 26, it's just where he's pulling from to get verse 10 in Galatians. Let's look at Deuteronomy 27, verse 26. It says, Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. Do you see that? You want to live by the law? You think the law is going to fix your relationship and give you eternal life? Then you must keep it perfectly. Because it is the expression of God, His nature and will. And so if you want to go that way, you want to go that pathway, then you have to do it perfectly. But guess what? You know you can't do it perfectly. Therefore, you are under a curse. 1 John 3, 4, do you remember it? It says sin equals lawlessness. That when you practice sin, you are practicing lawlessness. Sin brings cursing. And cursing brings condemnation and death. For we all know Romans 3.23, don't we? For all have sinned and fell short of God's glory. Therefore all are under what? A curse. We have all sinned. And so we have all fell short. And yet we say, I'm not as bad as most people. Matter of fact, I'm not as bad as I used to be. Let me tell you some stories. And I'm definitely better than you. What is James? I love James. James 2.10. You can go to James for all kinds of good applications in your life. For James, a straight shooter, just shoots it straight. James 2, verse 10. Because you need to understand something. With the law, it's all or nothing because here's what's at stake. Listen to what James says. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become what? Guilty of it all. So keeping most of it doesn't count if you want to choose the pathway of law. If you want to choose the pathway of legalism, you've got to keep it perfectly. So this 
Now we get to verse 12. This is the point. First alternative. Okay. All you have to do is meet the conditions. What's the conditions? Do perfectly and live. Look at verse 12. Back to Galatians 3. But the law is not of faith. This is this all or nothing kind of thing. This is what they're doing. He's saying, Galatians, you can't start by faith. And now I think it's all up to you. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. So you see the first pathway. If you're going to gain life, you must keep it perfectly. If not, you will not receive a blessing. You will receive a cursing. This is why, brothers and sisters, legalism is so illogical. We talked about that last week. And that whole issue, if you want to listen to it, you can pull it up online and listen to it. I, I, list, I, I listed multiple ways that we struggle with legalism, and if one of them didn't convict you, you, you really got a problem. <laughs> it's, this is why it's illogical. You see, we embrace a legalistic view towards being right or being accepted towards God. And we impose that standard on someone else that we can't live ourselves. This works pathway leads to cursing. This leads to a destination. It is not eternal life. It is eternal destruction. So he gets to the end. He's like, so this ought to be obvious. The second pathway is the only pathway that leads to eternal life. Look at verse 11. He says this really should be self-evident. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. It ought to be obvious. In other words, it is impossible for us to keep the law perfectly. So this pathway doesn't lead to eternal life. It cannot. And so what is he quoting? The righteous shall live by faith. He's quoting Habakkuk 2.4. Habakkuk 2.4. says in verse 4, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright with him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Now, if you've got that, just look at it for a minute. Is, is Paul interpreting this correctly because he uses it multiple places? We're going to look at it in Romans here in just a second. Or is it supposed to be read, but the righteous shall live by his faithfulness? We don't have time to get into the whole context of Habakkuk, but I challenge you to read it. Understand the history of the Jewish people. He's saying, I will save them if they trust me. Yes, judgment is coming. It is. It's coming. Trust in the Lord and be saved. This is where faith comes in in their life. It's where it comes in in our life because, see, judgment was on them and they couldn't see salvation. They couldn't see it in front of them. He said, well, you have to trust me. You see that? This is where it begins with the Jewish people in the Old Testament, where it begins with us. Romans 1, 16 and 17 makes it clear. We love this passage, don't we? I'm not ashamed of the gospel passage. Romans 1, 16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to who? Everyone who believes. Everyone. To the Jew first and also the Greek. All sinned. All must believe. Verse 17. For in it, what is it? The gospel. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Look, from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. In other words, 
It is faith from beginning to end in the life of a Christian. You do not have faith to believe and do the rest on your own. You, we begin by faith and we end our last breath by faith. This Christmas season, we have buried multiple people in our, in our Christian family. And we, we pray that people in our family, and what we rejoice in that day at the end, is that they finished by faith. We live by that faith and we finish by that faith. He's saying to escape the curse, you must not first do, you must first trust in His work. This is the issue. But don't mistake me this morning that this is some kind of easy believism. This pathway is costly. Look at verse 13. Christ redeemed us. Us. It's ought to sit on us Christians. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. We were already under something, weren't we? Look at the text. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written. Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So with this second pathway, Paul introduces another doer, Jesus Christ. You see, clear choice this morning. You're the doer, or Christ is. Now I know, I went to a Christmas party last night and ate too much, and sometimes, you know, we... We begin to fade away. Lean in with me. This is important. He tells us that Christ did something that we could, could not do for ourselves. Isn't this evident? If you know your Old Testament, this is evident. The sacrificial system was created necessarily alongside the law because we couldn't keep the law, wasn't it? Because we all sinned. And the children of Israel would sin. And so they had to embrace the sacrificial system to, to restore this relationship temporarily to God. Then they'd sin and back and forth they go. He said, listen, Jesus Christ the perfect has come. And He lived the perfect life for you. And He has been sacrificed. There is no more sacrificial system. You must make your choice. Do it on your own or have faith in Christ. This is what's at stake for the Galatians, and this is what's at stake for us. Christ is the perfect sacrifice for sin, and there is not another one. This is what's at stake, and you say this morning, well, hold on, I think there's a third pathway. I don't even buy into this law. I'm just going to live like the devil, or live how I want to live, because I don't buy into this old friend. The sovereign creator of this universe has stamped on the very creation God's character. He has put in your very conscience the law. That that which you know you must do, you do not do. That that you know you want to be treated, you do not treat others in return. He has stamped it on your, on your heart and you have disobeyed it. You are under the curse. God has made it plain. This is what's at stake. This is the same curse in verse 13 as the same curse in verse 10. John 3.36. Turn with me there. I want you to see, this is what Paul said at the beginning of this letter, didn't he? That all of us, the, all the apostles, we're all in unity about this. This gospel is true. John 3, verse 36. says, whoever believes in the Son has what? Eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see what? Life. 
but the wrath of God remains on him. You do not have the wrath of God awaiting simply if you, re- if you reject and do it on your own. It is on you. The curse is not something that we are waiting for. The curse is something we have because we have all sinned. And we can put a black hood over our head and say the sun does not exist. But doesn't it still exist? The sun exists and our sin exists. And there is only one way. Jesus Christ became a curse for us to redeem us from the curse. The curse that was on us. This is what verse 13 is saying. Jesus incarnated Himself into a human community. And He lived there for 30 years and no one knew God was in the neighborhood. What was He doing? He was living what you live every day and yet without sin. Driving in that traffic that many, many of y'all guys drive in every day. And he did so without sin. Why? Because that's how important the law is. He fulfilled the law. Because we didn't. See, in the Old Testament, this is what this passage is saying in verse 13. They would take those that were killed because of their crimes and they would hang them up on a pole. Why? It identified the lawbreaker. He broke the law. He punished for it. Don't be like him. Listen to me. Christ did that for you. Christ was hung on a tree. Brought it into the New Testament. We know that they crucified the worst of criminals on a tree. Christ became a curse for us. 1 Peter 1. Verse chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Peter 1, 18. Peter teaches us the same thing. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last days for the sake of you. Who through him are believers in God. Who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory. This is why. Why? So that your faith and your hope are in God, brothers and sisters. This is the good news for you this morning. This is the good news today. It will be the good news tomorrow. It will take us into glory. Christ is our faith and our hope. He has brought us to God. Christ redeemed us. Listen, in order to bless us. With the promised spirit. Look at me at verse 14. This is good brothers and sisters. This is telling us Genesis 12.3. We looked at last week. He's quoting it again. Look at this. There's a so that there. This is the why. Verse 14. So that in Christ the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Now listen to me. Let me ask you a question. Let's say... And we need to pull something at the house. Me and Brent's going to pull some logs up to cut them for firewood. We've got two four-foot chains. I need an eight-foot chain. How do I put those chains together? They're links. What do we do? Wow. Brent goes to the hardware store and he gets a, a chain link. It's got a coupling on it. You unscrew the coupling, it makes a gap. And you put those two chains in there and screw the coupling together. This is a coupling. This is, this is a coupling that chains together the Old Testament promises and the New Testament gospel. Dare not miss it this morning. You see that? 
the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. How? Through the promised spirit. The blessings of Abraham that was promised in Genesis 12 was the Holy Spirit that makes a pathway for all who believe. Isn't this what Ezekiel says? Listen, Ezekiel 36 Verse 26 says this, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. He's telling the Galatians, don't you understand that the only way that you can have the promised spirit is through faith in Christ? There is no other way. It is what causes you to walk in my statutes. You will never love the law until you have the Holy Spirit. You will never desire to reflect God's character simply because you love His goodness, not because you're trying to get something out of Him until the Holy Spirit indwells in you and you begin to see the smiling face of God in your life because Christ redeemed you from the curse of sin. Have you you been made right with God? Have you entered into this intimate fellowship? How do you do that? By trusting. Are you trusting? I start so what today? Are you trusting Christ alone through faith alone? I know you're saying, you just keep keep saying that. Every application, you you ask the same question. Are, Are you trusting in Christ alone? Why are you doing that? Because Paul's doing it. Because this is critical to our life. Every day, we have said this, that love fuels faith and faith fuels life. So what we're asking, I'm asking you this morning is to look at your life because your life is objective. You and your brothers and sisters and your friends can see our life because your life reflects back to who you're trusting. What are you trusting in? It reveals your faith. You know what your faith reveals? Where your treasure is. Your life reflects your faith. Your faith reflects who you love. So this is the question for us when we ask, are you trusting in Christ alone? What are you trusting? What are you treasuring in today? Is it really Christ alone? How do I live my every day? Is it really faith alone? Or are we a lot like the Galatians, faith plus works? Is this why we're so tired? What does it look like to live by faith? How do I get up this morning? I missed it all. And I know many of us, and you know me, and we know what we're living in every day. How do we fight for faith? How do we live by faith in our tomorrow? This is not new to me. This is Thomas Schreiner. I just want to rejoice in this. It's good. First, as we're laying in the bed in the morning, We must remember, we must relearn the gospel every day. Brother said one time, we leak. True, we do, we leak. We must relearn the gospel every day. We may think we already understand it, and if we think we understand it, we're in dangerous ground. When we think we can move on from the gospel and go on to something new, that is the moment we begin to think we are somehow morally superior to other people. You see, it's only the gospel, listen to this, it's only the gospel that with the same message, it will lift up the downcast 
and it will knock over the proud one. Same message. Only the gospel can do that. If I try to do it, I I step on the downcast and, and give the arrogant too big a job. I messed it up, but the gospel can do both. And so we must teach the gospel afresh every day to ourselves. So we must cling to the cross of Christ and that alone. You see, this morning, even when in many of us, because we've struggled with legalism our whole life, anytime someone brings up, think about your life, think about sin, what do we feel? We feel beat up, we feel depressed, we feel discouraged. But not if you reteach the gospel to yourself. You won't process it that way. Because God didn't intend it to be that way. God didn't intend to be this some kind of perverted faith plus condemnation. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And so let's only, only at the cross can you see your sin in light of God's grace. It's good this morning because that's what it brings number three. We live in the joy and freedom of forgiveness. On the one hand, we are conscious of our sins. We are. But something has happened, hasn't it? This knowledge of our sin that we're conscious of doesn't cripple us anymore. Why not? Because Christ has redeemed us from the curse of that sin. He has robbed that sin of its power over you. This is what Christ paid for on the cross. It's not supposed to cripple us. The cross is our liberation, our freedom from the curse of sin. Our faith, trust in what God has done for us to remove the curse from that sin that is on you right now. Listen, this is important. As we close, I'm done. Not forgiving yourself is a failure to cling to the cross. It is self-dependency. It is not laying down that at the cross because Christ has removed the penalty and the power of that sin in your life. That's what He paid for. He redeemed us. And I do not have the right to carry something around with me that Christ has already forgiven. It's freedom. It's freedom to live. To live. To live by faith in what Christ has already accomplished in your life. Receive that joy and freedom today. Because this is not something that comes this one moment in your life. It's something that we renewed every day. When we relearn the gospel, we cling to the cross, and we understand, I have been forgiven. I have been set free, and I will not hold on to it one day, because there is a lost world that a curse is on. And as long as I pine around in my self-pity, I will miss what's going on in the world around me, and I don't want you to miss it, and I don't want to miss it. So let us rejoice this morning in the gospel. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. What does it say? It goes on to say in that Great song. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Anywhere you go today, you're going to find people under a curse. And there's only one name given among men whereby they must be saved. And we have the greatest news in all the world to those who need it the most. Brothers and sisters, receive the freedom that comes through the gospel. And let's get to our mission. The IMO offering will only become precious to you 
our, your giving that we're going to do will only become precious to you when you begin to see the souls of men and women and children who need the message. We have it in our mouths. We've been saved in our heart. Let us give it to them. Lord, thank you that you have saved us. Lord, if I just take five seconds and let the sins of my past flood through my mind, I could say, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Oh, I have been forgiven of so much, and I do not have to pay that back because your son has paid it all. We have been redeemed, and we have been set free. Thank you, Lord. And so now, Lord, we as just humans, not yet glorified, can only bring our, our hearts been purified by your Son's blood and our mouths who now wish to just simply open them up and worship you. So Lord, would you receive our worship? Because we have been declared righteous by the work of your Son. But some in the room for the first time in their life understand I have been declared right. I was a slave of sin and now he's adopted me as his child. And we sit today under the smiling face of you, our Father, who is in heaven. So Lord, we love you. Now receive our worship to the glory of your name. We pray and we sing in Jesus' name. Amen.